In a culture of people focused on self-glorification, personal gain, and Instagram over experiences, to truly serve God, love people, and tell your own story, well that, that is living boldly. Over these next few minutes, we want to explore what living for God in this crazy culture looks like and how we can daily make that choice to live bold. Welcome to the Live Bold Podcast. All right, welcome to the Live Bold Podcast, everyone. I hope you're having a great day whenever you might be listening to this. Um, I've noticed when I introduce the podcast, I always say, the Live Bold podcast, like four times in the first two sentences. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the episode. whole bunch of different words I use there. But what's up, everybody? Um, my name is Harold, and I am your host with you. And of course, as always, I've got sitting across from the mic, Christian. How you doing, man? You doing well today? Doing good. Uh, busy day today, but you know, just, just striving. So we're doing good. Yeah, Christian and I were talking before we uh, got started with the episode today of it's been busy. It's been a busy day. It's been a busy week and upcoming week. But then we started talking and planning more and it's busy until the end of the year. It's just the season. (laughs) So you're right. I hope you guys, I mean, it's 2020 and I hope you are powering through kind of the holiday season and things are going well for you. Um, Because I know even though it's a grateful and thankful time. It can be a stressful time as well. So hopefully you're having some great time spending it with family. I know we're recording this before Thanksgiving. So hopefully you're having a good Thanksgiving whenever you might be listening to this here in the next couple of days or whenever. So thank you guys for tuning on in and catching us here on the Live Bold podcast today. Well, Christian, I told you before we got started um, that kind of the topic we're going to be talking about today is the broad idea of unity and it's a really it is a really broad idea and to kind of bring it in a little bit tighter what we're going to talk about i think mostly is unity within the church unity within believers and christians and kind of what our approach is and where we see the church in the world at right now so let me toss this ball into your court to get us started here today what do you think about like what do you think about unity today and where's the church and where are Christians with this right now? Is it something we're good at, something we're struggling with? What are your thoughts? I think it's something we're bad at. <laughs> okay. Um I think we're struggling with it and you know I look at I look at how the world is dealing with things right now and mm-hmm. if you don't if you disagree with someone you automatically can't be unified with them and that frustrates me. Um <laughs> and that's more in just that's more than just the political realm that's in the church realm as well. Um, but especially with COVID I've seen uh-huh. um, just in just, I've seen people that are on two different spectrums of, of how to handle things with it or things of that nature that are just having a rough time at unifying overall in the church. I feel like we can do a better job, especially in the midst of a pandemic when it yeah. comes to unity. You know, the sad thing is, and I just kind of thought of this as you said it, 
uh, culturally, we're we're in the era of cancel culture with our with our uh. whole like everybody, right? But what's yeah. funny is it's sad. It's not funny. It's sad. Is the church has kind of been there for many years already. Um, it really has. You know, kind of. If you're not familiar with the cultural movement of cancel culture that 2020 we're living in, is you know, if you disagree <laughs> with me, and I think you're wrong. I don't have to listen to you. I shut you down and I tell everybody to shut you down. Um, and the reason I say, sadly, the church has been doing that for many years. That's kind of what we see when we don't have unity in the church. Um, kind of probably the best examples we see of that is just literally different churches or divisions in churches, church splits, but also the idea of, you know, the church two blocks away from the other church that profess the same Christ come from the same movement, but yet cancel each other. If you want to use that uh, terminology. So yeah. <laughs> it's sad, but I do think, you know, the church has kind of been in that realm for a while, unfortunately. Um, have you really, I know we're talking about unity, but to talk about unity, we're going to talk about disunity. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to throw this back to you. What, what unity or disunity have you really experienced, either good or bad? And, and how has that made you feel and impacted your walk and your church relations? Yeah, um, a lot with what I grew up with. I, I experienced a lot of what you could call disunity, I guess. Um, and I had saw or saw. Wow, that's great grammar. Uh, <laughs> I had seen instances in which... Um, people would divide over stupid things like whether we should have this in the auditorium or is this an idol by having a picture up or some stupid thing like that. Right. Where it does not matter. Like people look at like, Oh my goodness, the carpet's red. It can't be red. That's the color <laughs> of blood. And it, or something like that, you know, something really, really, really off the wall and really stupid. Um, and people fight over it. And mm. you know, for the longest time it, it always puzzled me because it's like, why does that matter? Little trivial things. Yeah. I, and it, and it still bugs me to this day, but I also got to look at it as these matters do matter to the people that are bringing them to the table. Uh, these issues that they are having problems with, they do matter. And I think we do need to talk about them. But like you said, with, with things such as like the cancel culture, that's so dangerous. Yeah. And here's why. You're never going to grow. You're never going to grow when you cancel someone. Absolutely. Um, the cancel culture says, well, you don't, believe the way I do. So I'm not, I'm going to unfollow you on Facebook, social medias, you know, whatever it mm -hmm. is. I'm going to post that you don't know what you're talking about yeah. and how in the world, how in the world are you going to grow and how are you going to strengthen your own belief without talking to someone who has a different belief? So my idea behind it has always been cancel culture is stupid <laughs> and we need to do a better job at literally just having, not having debates. Yeah. And and what I mean by that is you can you can disagree with someone and you can discuss it. Discussion over debate. That's how I put sure. it. Yeah, discussion over debate, but also discussion um over you know, abandonment, if that makes sense. Exactly. Like you can't yeah. just walk away from someone because they disagree with you. Um we're gonna I think that's gonna be a really great place that we can talk about here in a little bit. Um I, I wanna bring out some some scripture here in a little bit. We'll we'll get there in a few, but you know, we've probably heard the idea, if you're in the church or, or religious in some way, the weaker brother. 
And so we'll kind of talk about that a little bit because truly, if you're, if you believe you're the stronger brother, it is your role to welcome in the weaker brother and walk beside them and not cancel them. Mm. Right. Cause that's, I yeah. think a lot of times where we're at, we just cancel them. And again, that's been happening in the church for, for far too long. That's not something new. Um, no. unfortunately I do want to fill people in a little bit here because I don't know <laughs> the backgrounds of everyone listening, nor can I, but I, let me share a little bit about kind of where Christian and I are coming from. Um, when it comes to church and unity and things like that, we both, uh, are members of the restoration movement. Um, we both work at churches of Christ. Okay. I'm going to put that out there right now and you can kind of track that if you know about that or not. But here's something I think we've probably both observed. Um, we've come from the North where small churches and very few churches exist. And we visited the South or lived in the South where there's so many churches, <laughs> many, many churches <clears throat> exist. But something I, I've noticed pretty much no matter where you go, there is some sort of division within the church. It's really, really <sighs> hard to avoid. And typically <clears throat> we do see this in the physical attributes. Usually there is two churches in a town, two churches of Christ in our example, or I'll give you the example of, of my town here. Um, we have two churches of Christ and two Christian churches, and then a town 20 minutes away with a Christian church and a church of Christ. And <laughs> if all you, from the same movement, <laughs> all from the same movement, all have very, very close beliefs. Um, all have the same beliefs about um, salvation, right? The important, um, <laughs> right. But yet, uh, wow, just doing the math there, you know, six churches within 20 miles of each other, 30 miles of each other that are separate, but separate for some reason. Um, Mm. And it's probably um, a disunity factor, but it's probably silly, especially if we if we looked at it closely. Um, (laughs) But. When we talk about unity, it's it's easy to just start and look at disunity because that's where we come from. So that's kind of where Christian and I are coming from. Did did I miss anything there that you might want to share on that? No, no, that's uh, I think you summed it up pretty well there. <laughs> so I think it's interesting. Here's where I want to start when we talk about uni- unity. Obviously, when we talk about unity, we're going to get to the fact or, or to the idea of, yes, there's probably times when you should um, not be together with other people, okay? We, we do know we're set apart as Christians, but here's the idea that I want to start with. Jesus started the church. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. The apostles made disciples that made churches, <laughs> and we can see that. Uh, Acts is a great place to look at how the church is starting. We we first see the apostles kind of broadly there in Jerusalem, then going out. We follow Paul all over the countrysides um, to Ephesus and Corinth and Athens and all over the place. What we do see, and I think, Christian, you can talk to me about this here a little bit more, but what we do see is churches of different people in different cities. But like something I've noticed every time that I read in the beginnings of the church, especially when Paul goes back and visits um, some of the churches he's planted, it says he went and visited the church in Corinth, or he went and visited the believers in Ephesus. And why I bring that out 
is what you're saying. Well, right there in the beginning of the church, there was division. Well, the only division that I see happening is just they were in different locations, right? They were within traveling distance of of separate towns. So the reason I bring that up is I really think when, when Jesus established the church, the intent was to have the church in the region, not, you know, five churches in the city. And so <laughs> when I start thinking about unity, that's, that's first where my mind goes. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, uh, that's a really good point when, especially when Paul is writing to a, you know, a lot of churches, sometimes the language that he uses is Paul wrote to the churches here mm-hmm. and it says churches, but it really means the church. Um, and I think that's important. And I think we forget that sometimes that we try to say, well, there were, you know, there's always going to be division. There was division from the beginning. Well, yes, but no, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah. And I, you know, I, I just had this conversation with um, one of my church members here, I think last weekend or the weekend before, but it, it is, it's, it's always the, the church in Ephesus, the church in Corinth. And it's, it's not talking about the church on 12th street in Alm. It's talking about the church in the city. <laughs> and I think, so I think from the very, very get go, and I mean, you can challenge me if, if you want. Um, I think Christ intended for the church to be the church, to be one. And the only division among it is just the grouping of people. You know, it's not disagreements. It's just region where the people are. And I think if you want to disagree with me on that and you say, well, no, they should have different churches. They should have churches that meet in buildings and churches that meet in the park and churches that have this. I think you might (laughs) want to think about your heart and just reread kind of acts and where it starts because the church seems to be seems to be one from the get-go so um i don't know that's just kind (laughs) of that's kind of where i i think that's where my heart is you can probably hear my heart coming through on this a little bit but i don't know what do you think christian no that's a good point and um i think you know some we forget the idea of a universal church today um especially when it comes to talking about, you know, ancient times, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a church of Christ here, a Baptist there. It was the church. Um, and where it messed up is we messed it up, you know, <laughs> like yeah. good job guys. No, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, and we're, we're guilty of that in, in every denomination and in every branch of Christianity, we've, uh, sometimes let tradition overcome oh, unity. Absolutely. Um, and that's dangerous. And I've seen that, you know, I took church history in college and I learned more in mm-hmm. that class than I ever did just looking at, you know, and one of the things we talked about in that class was how many different iterations of Christianity there has been throughout history. And especially how many times we've messed that up. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Uh, you might actually know a little <clears throat> bit more about church history than me or, or not. I don't know. I've had a, a class on it as well. But what do you think of the idea of there's always been just one true church. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I, I do think that there has, you know, the church that Jesus established. Um, and it, when we look at our tradition, for example, when mm-hmm. we look at the restoration movement, the rest, the goal of the restoration movement was to get back to that. Yeah. was to get back to the idea of one universal church. Yeah, the church. Um, and <laughs> we even messed up in the restoration movement on that because now there's the disciples of Christ, the church of Christ, the Christian church. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about that, and one of the things I look at that I, when I always point to unity, there was a conversation that, or a writing 
that Barton W. Stone, um, who mm-hmm. I wrote a paper on, and I find his story fascinating that he um, he he came from a Presbyterian background and was looking at scripture and was like, wait a minute, there's things we're doing here that, that don't really, I don't see it in scripture, you know? And so he started to think for himself and, and, and really just started to develop his, his walk, you know, his mm, faith. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't mean to say like his faith, like it was not Christianity, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But he had a conversation with Alexander Campbell um, and Alexander Campbell was a uh, millennia, uh, pre-millennialist. I think I'm saying this right. And one was a post-millennialist. Meaning one to explain that. Uh, That's a good thing to explain. Yeah. Meaning one uh, thought that Christ's reign would come after the thousand year reign and Christ would come before the thousand year reign. So this in the early church. Right. So Christ will come um, to earth and there'll be a thousand years here on earth or Christ will come and we'll all go to heaven essentially. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that was a, for some reason, that was a huge huge uh division in the early church not just in the restoration movement but in mm-hmm. presbyterian and catholic you know and it was a big big thing you know barton w stone said i may disagree with my brother but i will always worship with him and i and there's something to that fact to that like type of mm-hmm. he said something along those lines and to me that is perfect that is unity right there like i don't care what um what they believed with premillennialist postmillennialist you know, Bart, Barton W. Stone said, I'm still, I'm still gonna, yeah, still gonna worship with him, you know, and I, I find that really fascinating, I guess, but well, and, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, <clears throat> I, I don't want to dwell here too long because I think you and I both find this very, very fascinating. And mm. this is something that I didn't get when we looked at church history, we didn't talk enough about this, I felt like, but um, when we talk about Campbell and Stone, those are two, um, I hesitate to use the word fathers of the modern of the restoration movement of the church. Right. But these, these are both the the guys coming from both different separation areas, different families thinking about, man, we need to bring back the church. And um, Thomas and Alexander Campbell, that would be father and son. I do believe, let me make sure I'm not messing this up. Both kind of had this thought um, from the Americas and from the the motherland (laughs) and and both came together and said, hey, we've both been thinking about this. And that's what started the church in America. Some some good quotes that pertain to unity um, from Thomas Campbell are still probably some you you hear to this day, but you don't know their Campbell quotes. Um, One of them, and this was originally about unity, not about disunity like we use it today, is this quote. You've probably heard it. Where the scriptures speak, we speak, and where they are <laughs> silent, we are silent. That was originally a a bringing the church back together to, you know, to be just the church quote, not a divide the church over scriptures in silence inference, right. if you will. <laughs> um, and it's just like, man, we have taken that quote and not even knowing it's a quote from Campbell. I've seen church members use it to back up the idea of like, well, we need to divide over this uh, thing. Mm. But really the whole idea of the restoration movement of Campbell, especially was he borrowed all of these ideas um, just to bring people together. Another quote that's kind of built of a few quotes from other people that he used to say um, that's recorded of him saying, I guess I should say is this quote right here. In faith, we have unity. 
in opinions, mm. liberty, and in all things, charity, meaning love. Mm. So we yeah. have, in faith, we have unity. In opinions, we have liberty. But in all things, we have love. Yeah. And it's, that's just crazy because in with the uh, faith, it's God. We have faith in, in God and Christ the Son. When we have opinions, <laughs> we have liberty. And sometimes we forget that because that can be doctrinal matters. Um, right. And if we forget that, it's easy to, to break unity. But this is the biggest, the last one is the biggest thing for unity is in all things, all things, <clears throat> we have charity. love. We have love, we oh, have love. charity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Charity is the yeah. quote, but love is what I'm, I'm love saying. Love is, is, exactly. No, yeah. And so, man, it's it's so sad to look at, I mean, there, there's people that disregard the the restoration movement like it didn't happen. and that with the, But this is where we come from. If you're sitting yeah. in, in um, the United States, Canada, Mexico as a Christian, <laughs> this is where we come from. And the whole point of it was to have unity. That's what started coming back to the scriptures and being pure, being the church. Mm. So I have one quote here, yeah. if you got a minute, uh, to share with uh, Mark Bartonstone said this. He says, I suggest, and this kind of explains a little bit about what the restoration movement was meant for. He said, I suggest we restore the church as it was in the New Testament day, rooting it firmly in the pattern set by the early disciples. With its roots there, it can sway and bend to adjust to the times. But fundamentally, it would always be the same. A strong tree is still a tree, what, where, whatever, where, or wherever the wind blows. Mm-hmm. And the church would still be the church despite men's opinions blowing about it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. That's a great... And I think that's a perfect <laughs> description. <laughs> Mic drop, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but. that is a perfect description. So, I mean... I like that a lot. I hadn't heard that before. That's really, really good. I hadn't either. I really like that. Thank but, you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> but why I like that is uh, it, it just shows how the church should remain strong and remain steady. No matter what's blowing against it, it doesn't need to break apart. Because, you know, if you yeah. think about the storm and the, and the tree, I think a lot of times where our modern thoughts are, well, like, oh, there's a storm. Let's break off a branch and go replant it. But really, that's not shouldn't shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to stay one and stay strong together. And yeah. so, I don't. I just when when we talk about unity, I think the goal should always be to have unity. And that makes this it makes it hard <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> if we have the idea of let's keep unity, we're like, well, where do we draw the line with that? Um, where, where do we need to make sure we don't have unity? Like where, where is somebody no longer a Christian and, Uh, and where, you know, how, 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 how much broad ideals of people do we welcome in to my brother, you know? Yeah. And so I told Christian, um, I had to go run and grab some books before we got started from the office. And the first book I, I grabbed is, uh, by Lagarde Smith, and it's Who's My Brother. And that is a great book, but it's published in the late 90s. And he kind of did an update to that book that I read in school, and I really liked it. And so if you guys want to look this up on your own, again, it's Lagarde Smith. It's called Circles of Fellowship is the book mm. that I brought with me today. 
and I like this book. I haven't completely read the whole Who is My Brother book, um, but I have read the whole Circles of Fellowship book. And kind of the way he talks about this is Circles of Fellowship kind of continues on from Who is My Brother and it kind of makes it obsolete. But the part and the whole name for this book is called Circles. And um, I wish you guys could see this because it's a podcast. But basically, (laughs) this idea of circles is like an inner circle going to an outer circle, just expanding more and more. And when we're talking about unity, we can kind of look at unity in these extending circles, you know, rings that get closer to further apart. And so um, I hope you don't mind, Christian. I'm going to share a few of these. Is that cool? No, you're good. So when we talk about, I mean, again, this is something you can totally look up, but the Circles of Fellowship chart starts in the outer, I guess you could start with the outer and come closer. So the further out you are, the, the less close you are to these people, but they're still unified, right? So on the very outside, we have the universal fellowship. That sounds like un- <laughs> unity to me, right? But <laughs> universal fellowship, it's the family of God, good, bad, and ugly. They're all God's people, right? All people are God's people. God created human beings. So we don't have a lot in common with everybody in this circle. But they're all mankind, all created in God's image. Universal man, right? All descended from Adam, whether or not you believe in God. So that's the farthest ring that we could possibly have with our unity. Just you're another man, but God still created you. That's something important to keep in mind. Then we come in one circle. It's called the Faith Fellowship Circle. Um, so this is takes us like, this is a big step because this is coming into Christian fellowship at all. Um it's basically those who actively share faith in Christ Jesus, those who believe and have believe and have fellowship because they believe in God, they believe in Christ. Now, this is probably not members of your church because we've added some, you know, we, we know what salvation is and, and all of that. So these are just believers. That's how I, you know, consider these people. But then we come in a little bit closer and it's called in Christ fellowship. So this is the person who not only knows of Christ and believes in God, but has created a personal relationship. Um, for us, we would we would bring these people into fellowship when they're washed away from their sins, they're forgiven, and they are saved in baptism. Um, they are part of the kingdom of God. They're fellowship because they're Christians. I mean, this is this is who we consider brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and it gets two more. There's two more closer circles. We have the conscience fellowship, which is kind of where we've been talking. Not only do they believe and are baptized and saved, but they also share kind of those close convictions that we share. So for some of the ones that might really <laughs> matter to us is, you know, they share Sunday morning assembly. They share... Um, Some of these are no less important than others. They share musical instruments or not, or, you know, whatever you might want to, one cup versus multiple cups for communion. They have these conscience, they have these conscience um, thoughts that really divide us. And then, of course, we have our congregational fellowship. 
And I don't think I need to <laughs> describe that anymore. That's your body of believers, <laughs> right? That's, that's the people you meet with on Sunday morning. That's, so the difference mm. between um, conscience and congregational may be a big step for some people. It <laughs> might be the big one. But those are the circles of fellowship from his book. And I didn't do it justice. There's a whole bunch of pages to this book, right? But <laughs> I don't know. That was the most interesting thing I found from that book. And it's only like 200 pages. So it's it's an okay read. It's It's totally doable. But I mean, that's a really detailed look at it. But it does kind of explain why you know how there is different levels to the people that we share unity with no i i really like that i uh i had never heard of that before that's awesome yeah I um really, i think he laid I, that out really well i wish i tried to google it some before because i really wish just the circle part was available on google or something but i couldn't find it so i do really well, i guess i'll just have to buy the book yeah, then. No. yeah i do recommend <laughs> buying the book um but these different layers I mean, it's not that it makes it easier that we have these different layers, but identifying is really helpful because a lot of times um, people get caught up right on the conscience fellowship ring or the congregational fellowship ring and break unity over those things. And I really think, you know, my conviction is... Unity doesn't need to be broken, but there's definitely different amounts of fellowship there. Yeah. It is it is hard for me to fellowship in all of the ways that I normally would if we have a, a conscience thing, you know? If, if you're strongly adamant about musical instruments, I know there's a lot of people in the church that can't be strongly adamant, uh, can't really fellowship with you a whole ton because they're very strongly a cappella. And I understand that those exist, but I, we shouldn't break unity just because our circles are, are different at conscience. Mm. Just like we, we don't break unity with mankind because they don't believe in God. They're still God's image. They're still made in God's image. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Did you have something, Christian? You were looking. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it. One second. Sorry. Okay. Well, I'm going to let him keep looking. I just oh, I like, found it. Okay. I felt like <laughs> I was talking a lot and I didn't want to take everything away. Oh, you're fine. Um, you know, you said you were reading a book. I'm also reading a book, uh, Love Does by Bob Goff. Um, really good book if you get a chance to read it. But I just started it. And in the first chapter, you know, you know when you start a book and something in the first chapter really grabs your attention, you know, it's going to be a good book. But um, <laughs> he, he says, I'm going to go ahead and read this a little bit. It's just a, it's a paragraph, so bear with me. Um, okay. The world can make you think that love can be picked up at a garage sale or an envelope or an enveloped in a Hallmark card. But the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence. It is a love that operates more like sign language than being spoken outright. What I learned from Randy, which is his friend he talked about, about the brand of love that Jesus offers is that it's more about presence than undertaking a project. It's a brand of love that doesn't just think about good things or agree with them or talk about them. What I learned from Randy reinforced the simple truth that continues to weave itself in the tapestry of every great story that love does. Hmm. And why I read that and, and why and how I'm going to spin that around and apply it to unity is you can't have unity without love. Absolutely. And the whole premise of love does, this is important because just like Barton W. Stone was able to differ on premillennialism and postmillennialism, he still loved Alexander Campbell enough 
mm-hmm. to worship with him. And I think in the church, you know, when we differ on things such as, you know, instrumental music, communion, whatever that may be, you know, whatever things we disagree on, we can still worship with one another. And I think we're called to. Um, and something, and not just unity within the church, I think unity in the world, mm-hmm. it, it, yes. you know, that can apply to unity in the world too. Because, you know, if I disagree with someone politically, physically, whatever, sure. I can, should, and be able to have a conversation with them, yeah. not blow up in their face. The, the love aspect comes right back to the rings aspect. If, if you yeah. have love and you know that um, all humans are created in the image of God, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have, compa- you have love, you have compassion. And so then you can talk to people a little more, um, even when it comes yeah. to worldly disagreements. Um, and so, yeah, love is the most important part. And Christian, and, sorry, one thing I should premise too, I, I don't think we're saying anything about doctrine being a bad thing. You know, I don't think for one minute, you know, trust me, I do not think doctrine is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think it's important. But what what's dangerous is when we let tradition um, in doctrine, I'll say it like that, when we let tradition that is based in doctrine overlook the true message of Jesus, which is embedded in John 3.16, which is embedded in um, Acts 2.38, you know, that Jesus came, he died on the cross so that we may have an opportunity to be buried with him. You know, it's we're not saying that. <laughs> I just wanted to premise that, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> My, that's really important. It's sad because there's people, there's, man, I'm trying to be careful with how I say this. Uh, it, it's sad because what you said right there, probably some people disagree with. And, and that's yeah, really definitely. sad to me. And and let it be known, I mean, this this point of this podcast is never to play it safe. You can tell that probably by the last two episodes, neither of which have played it very safe. But there probably is people that disagree with the idea of what you just said is the love of Christ trumps all tradition um comfortability and and role but that's true i mean and and what we're saying is it's true you don't have to listen to us right um but (laughs) what i think the difference is sorry go ahead i didn't mean to keep going i think one one of the differences is that there's a difference between doctrine and tradition um and if if we can't see that that's 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 a problem that i need to fix in my own life Sure. Um, because there is a difference between tradition and doctrine. <laughs> and and again, I'm just going to bring it back to read the whole book um, by Smith. But I, I just don't see any time where God has given us the instruction. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk about disfellowship here in a minute because there is mm. some instruction on disfellowship. But I don't see, you know, unless uh, you're going down that path, I don't see where God has ever instructed us to completely cut off people. And that's the thing from the circles. You can move someone into a further circle from you, but you still have some type of fellowship, even if it goes as far back as just being a man in God's image. But especially when you start coming in closer, you have the same belief in God. You believe in, in Christ Jesus. You, you are saved. You are saved by the commands of the Bible. Wow, that's a really close one. But then you can come closer into the traditions. That's what the conscience circle is about. And then, you know, your own family where you share, uh, congregational family where you share probably a lot in common or, or yeah. not. Sometimes I, it's fun to look at our congregations and see how we differ with one another, but we still have that fellowship and that unity. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and pop over to Romans chapter 14 because we haven't really talked too much about scripture, but other books. So yeah, <laughs> Romans 14 is, 
man, I, I'm just going to read this whole chapter. Um, okay. I'm sorry, guys, if it's too much for you. I apologize. But if you need to split it up, I could pick up in verse 13 for you. But if oh, you like perfect. to read it. Verse 13 All is right. a perfect uh, pickup. Okay. So, yeah, we'll do that. I'll go ahead and read the first 13 verses. But Christian and I were talking about this idea a little bit before, too. Um, this is talking about weaker brothers, stronger brothers, and what you should do with it. So Romans chapter 14, I'm going to pick up in verse 1, and I'm reading out of the ESV, okay? So Romans 14, verse 1, talking to the church from the words of Paul. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person believes he can only eat vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and not let the one who abstains pass judgment onto the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment of on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he will stand or he will fall, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains will abstain in the honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live life or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, for that he might be Lord both dead and living. Why do you pass judgment onto your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it's written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. All right. I'm going to be reading on New American Standard. Just uh, letting you know. Cool. A little different. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, closer. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and I am convinced in Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Mm-hmm. For it is because... Of food, your brother is hurt. You are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For we who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. Hmm. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is from sin. Hmm. 
man, there is, there's a lot in this uh, one chapter. Yeah. Um, I, and <laughs> I've broken it down into like 13 or, or so like different parts. But if you, if you heard this and you can see the big pi- picture, the first thing I want to point out is this is talking about unity and it's talking about unity when we disagree disagree over yes. convictions right um we talk about the first couple of ones we talk about is the eating of of meat or the eating of vegetables right and also certain days of the week so for them probably romans here talking about sabbath is mm. the sabbath still holy so man what are some principles here well the first one i see is the first one in verse one is accept him who is weak in faith the very first thing is accept him don't pass judgment on those who disagree or non-essential things, right? Don't write him off. He's still your brother. Don't condemn him. Don't despise him. But basically it says, God still welcomes him. So you should still welcome him. So accept your brother. Accept him if he's weak. And an important part of this is the stronger brother has to do that. <laughs> Yeah. And the weaker brother, you know, it's kind of, it seems unfair, but if you're really the stronger brother, you'll take it and you'll be like, you know what? I'll accept him. I'll love on him, even though he's wrong. That's what being the stronger brother looks like. Second thing I see is everyone should be fully convinced. Study it out for yourself. Make sure you know exactly why you believe what you believe. Um, Know exactly why you believe that. If you're convicted by something, don't just follow along <laughs> with other people, but study it for yourself. Uh, the next thing I see in chapter 14 of Romans is respect the sincerity of others. Like, don't think people are just trying to destroy the church. Because if if we followed number one and two, if you're fully convinced, you're just trying to do what seems most right to you. <laughs> In God's eyes, you're trying to follow God as, as close as possible. So don't think other peoples are just trying to destroy the church. They're probably trying to follow God as close as possible. And right along with that, we, we read it um, that God is the judge. God is the one who, who judges um, in verse 9. Oh, no, that's not. Verse 10. Unto your brother, we will stand before the judgment seat of God, each one of us. So we can't judge because that's God's judge, judging place. Next one is don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way, right? Verse 13, therefore, let's not pass judgment onto one another and decide to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Well, what's a stumbling block? Well, it doesn't mean to not offend. It means don't violate someone's conscience for them, you know? Yes. Try not to offend your brother, but instead act in love. And I mean, offense is a hard word because we we can be easily offended sometimes. But instead, let's just try and, and not help. Let's try and not let our brother stumble because of us. Um, but while we're doing that, don't violate your own conscience, right? Because we've studied yeah. this out. We know what we believe based on the scriptures. So that trumps... You know, you need to stand by what you truly believe, but you need to study it out and not try and make your brother stumble. <laughs> um, verse 17 is pretty cool. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and mm. the Holy Spirit. So what's it talking about there? Guys, what really matters? What really matters? Well, what really matters is righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit. Not eating or drinking or musical instruments or communion. <laughs> oh, it doesn't say Ooh. that. That's that's Harold's inference, right? But like, huh, major the major issues, minor on the minors. It's all to bring peace and unity. So if it threatens unity, stop discussing it. Find an easier way to talk about it, right? Yes. And, and from the whole get-go, the stronger brother has taken the lead on this. The stronger brother is in charge. And that's what 15 verse 1 says. So we haven't read 15 verse 1, but just the very next verse from where we stopped. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. So we bear with the weak <laughs> because we are the stronger ones. We have to be the bigger person for a minute, and that's hard. Um, but it comes down to this idea of stop trying to please yourself, serve others, build the other people up, serve others. But overall, you got to follow Christ, follow the example of Christ. Verse three of chapter 15 says, for Christ did not please himself, but it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he didn't live for his own, you know, what he wanted. He didn't make the church in his own image, but rather he took on what other people stumbled with. Lots and lots of stuff in chapter 14. My highlighter's, you know, running out now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this it's just, it's kind of gives the whole idea of like, this is what unity should look like. And yeah. even though we know it, <laughs> that's still sometimes very, very hard. Very, very hard to do all of these things. Do all of these things and, and to serve Christ through this. So I don't know, Christian, I've been talking quite a bit here. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit and see what you have to say about all of that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great chapter. Uh, a lot of meat on the bone uh, when talking about unity just in that chapter alone. The one thing I think that is very important, you know, and I wrote down your key themes in there, and it's great. It's going to be a great tool. Thanks for that. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think an important thing and an important verse in this whole chapter is when he says, um, for it is because of food mm -hmm. your brother is hurt. You are no longer walking according to love. And I, that, that statement right there has nothing to do with food. That's the no. point. He's saying it's because of this one thing in this instance, food, your brother is hurt and you are not walking in love. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen that happen in the church. Absolutely. Where someone, we can someone brings up. Yeah. We can fill that in. Fill with that anything, with anything. Right? Exactly. And we can fill it with anything, um, you know, whatever you, whatever yeah. thing you're struggling with, you know. And I think it's so important for us to be careful in with our liberties. Um, and you know, and I'll get to that when I bring my verses to the table. <laughs> well, yeah, um, and that's kind of where we started. Was we we have liberties, and that's the uh, the quote from Campbell is too. We have liberties, but when we read here in chapter fourteen. If we see ourselves as the stronger brother, and I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. If we see ourselves as the stronger brother, we hold back our liberties as to not cause someone else to struggle. 
we swallow the pill. We, we take the hit because mm-hmm. we know it's more important that we walk alongside this brother than have what yeah. I think and what I'm convicted on. And I'm, I say that strongly because usually it's not just like what I want. No, it's what I think we should do for real, you know, out of the right. Bible. I swear by it. But we still, we let it go. We walk alongside our, our weaker brother. It's interesting. I saw this the other day and I, I talked to Courtney. I talked to my wife about it. I love her so much. She's such a good, she's a good bouncing board for me. She keeps me straight and in track. <laughs> but uh, somebody posted on Facebook the other day that I don't, we don't hold unity with, um, not really our decision, but theirs. And they posted about how um, they were talking about musical instruments, which is not why we're, not with unity with them, by the way, but they were talking about musical instruments and how, um, it, I can't, I can't worship with people with musical instruments because it causes me to stumble and I cannot, I cannot worship with them. I am the weaker brother (laughs) word for word. And I was just Mm. like, wow, these people are coming out and admitting they're the weaker brother. That's pretty rare. We don't see that very often. Usually, we have two people thinking they're the stronger brother and because they're not, right. <laughs> they're yeah. not setting down their convictions, which is what a real yeah. stronger brother does. They're just butting heads and saying, I'm right. I'm right. Mm. I'm right. Well, really they're both the weaker brother, <laughs> but yeah. they think they're the stronger brother. And, and it just perplexed me because I was like, wow, these people, this person says I am the weaker brother. And so Really, it's it's our job to walk alongside them, but it, it's a you know as always it's a tricky case of it's not our fault that they're disunified with us. They're welcome into our fellowship. They're welcome Sunday mornings just like everyone else. Um, right. And honestly, if they brought to the table the the convictions that separate us from them, we would probably say, okay, that'll be a little weird, but we'll do it. We'll do it for you because we want to have our brothers and sisters in fellowship with us. It'll be a little weird. Sure. Uh, you know, we're going to have to change some stuff, but we've been changing stuff since March anyway, so we'll get over it. You know? <laughs> but it's just like the weaker brother, or let me rephrase that, the stronger brother needs to put down the convictions and walk alongside the weaker brother because that's what the stronger brother does. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really I really appreciate that. Uh, when I went to York, um, a lot of the Bible majors that I went with, you know, not everyone was a member of the Church of Christ, which, you know, that's, wow, you know, that's a rare thing, right? No, it's not. No. Welcome to the world. Anyway. <laughs> Welcome um, to the church. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, um, one thing that I had, a, one of my best uh, friends who was a Bible major there, he was a part of, member of the Christian church. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had all, at length discussions about, instrumental music, things that divide Christian church and church of Christ and why they divide them. Mm -hmm. And what we come down to was there's people on both sides um, that think again, that they're the stronger brother. um, But more think of the idea that, well, if I change this or if I accept this, then I'm accepting um, something that we shouldn't accept. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm accepting something that, is going to label me as a um, person who just allows Satan to work in the church, sure. right? Um, and what I think is super dangerous, and you know, I have diff- I have different opinions than um, 
um, some of my family about this and some of my family sure. is the same, you know, it, and that's how families are. Um, but the point is, I always come back to what is the message of the gospel? Mm-hmm. It's Jesus, <laughs> you know, um, and when I go out and share the gospel with people, you know, for example, I'm from a, um, a, the restoration movement um, and the Church of Christ. We don't use instruments where, where I'm the worship minister at. Mm-hmm. But I am in talks, I, and I have talked when I was in Helena. I talked with the campus minister for Carol, um, talked mm-hmm. to other people. Um, and I've talked to one of my friends who runs tech at a Christian church yeah. for the guitars and everything and all that. And it's cool because the way he worships is different. Yeah. When it comes to singing, all right, when it comes to instruments. But when it comes to every other doctrinal, yeah. I'll say doctrinal very loosely, but, sure. but when it comes to every other um, thing that we think of, we, there's not much that, differ, that differs from us. Now, would I feel comfortable in a situation? I, I might, I might not, you know. And what I have to look at as a brother in Christ is to not take that liberty and try to use it to divide. Yeah. What I think the problem is and where I think the problem is, is, is you can believe that it's a sin or not a sin and still worship with your brother. That's possible. That is very possible. Um, but where, where, where I think it's different and where I think, um, and I'm treading very lightly here, yeah, I know, <laughs> but uh, um, where I think it's, it's a problem is when people bring that to the table and say, you are wrong because this is this and using it for the purpose of tearing down yeah. we can have conversations and we're having one right now we yeah. are literally me and you are having a conversation about this and was very open um and i know and that's where i think jesus needs to be <laughs> yeah and i know there's but, things that you and i could disagree with uh on definitely air or not on air um mm-hmm. but yeah you're absolutely right it's so hard though and i mean it's so very hard, hard. because we very know hard. we know the churches we know the people um and we've been a part of it before here. Christian said something yeah. about um, doctrinal matters. It's hard to define this, but I'm going to define it. I had some notes on it. doctrinal matters or I would say that's anything the Bible talks about and states a truth on. States yes. And absolute. So absolute. Um, here's the thing. You got to believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible that's states important. that, you know, <laughs> that's important. It's an absolute. Um you, you need to repent of your sins to become a Christian. That's an absolute. It's written multiple, multiple times. Here's another absolute that we're going to stand strong on. You need to be baptized because that's, a, yeah. that's what Christ said. And here's an even better part to that. That's how you get the Holy Spirit. You got God inside mm-hmm. of you at baptism. Some absolutes, right? Because right. the Bible states this is what it is. But then we, we come to some non-essential doctrines, as I'm going to call them, right? And it doesn't mean they're not important. It doesn't mean we, should talk, we shouldn't talk about them. It's just the Bible doesn't say anything about it. And let me tell you what. There is some non-direct answers to things like meeting times, <laughs> technology, <laughs> worship styles, women's roles, there's some danger. There's like, these are divisive things we talk about, but they're not right. stated truths. And right. so we've all heard it because we probably hear people on both sides. We will use the words liberal and conservative because we love those words in America, but I hate those words. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but I mean, we hear people, basically we hear people say if one way or another, it's not a salvation issue. 
that's a great thing to talk about. But then we also have people that make something that is non-essential into a salvation salvation issue. Yes. Or like as Christian just said, he said something that I know people would disagree with. Um, yep. If you see your brother sinning, you know, you think this is a sin, but it doesn't necessarily affect you. Let it be. There is people that would say, nah, you're going to hell because I won't let that be. We need to divide. We need to fight. And it comes right back to what you said. Ooh, we got to fight over that. No. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, and, and to expand on that, cause I'm trying really hard not to offend anyone. And, and that's hard. Cause again, we're so talking hard. about these <laughs> divisive things, but even when you look at division in the church, it was never meant to divide. In fact, Paul talks about it in Corinthians when he says, when they, so take the guy who would take his father's wife, for example, mm -hmm. that, that whole thing of excommunicating him from the church, um, that was not to say, we don't want your kind here, or we don't want you back at all ever again. No. In fact, it was to say, hey, we're going to take a step back. We're going to look at this. We're going to pray about it. And we hope that we bring you back in. Shepherds don't purposely lose a sheep. Yeah. They always want to find sheep. Yeah. They're not, you know, <laughs> well, and Jesus yeah. leaves the 99 to find the one, you know. <laughs> And, yeah. and what Christian is referring to is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is yeah. kind of where we see that. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we don't need to read it. I invite you guys to look at it on your own. But that's talking about disfellowshipping someone because of this big sexual, sexual <laughs> sin that they continually mm -hmm. commit. Um, but Christian's absolutely right on the same fact of when they are disfellowshipping them, the whole point is to bring them back into fellowship. And I'm going to go ahead and take us over to, um, I know Christian's got some more verses, but I'm going to take us to Matthew 18 verse 15. Cause it talks about this idea of the point is to confront them, to tell them they're sinning, but then to bring them back, bring them back closer to God, whether this is a person or a group of people or a church you give them the opportunity to say, come back to Christ or completely go against Christ. Matthew 18, verse 15. If a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. It's between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother, right? So you brought him back. Verse 16. But if he doesn't listen, take it to one or two others with you that you may, that the every charge may be established with evidence of a few witnesses, two or three. If he refuses to listen, tell the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. So these three verses, Matthew 18, 15, 16, 17, every time, whether you come to him first, you bring some others with you, or you tell the whole church about this sin, the whole point every time is to bring him back to God. Yes. It's not, yes. it's not to gossip and, and burn down bridges. It's to bring them back to God. And if it still doesn't work with the whole church, that's the point where you can say, we can't be with you. We can't be right. with you. And, and I, think, I think the whole point of you know, what we're trying to talk about today, we're not trying to bring up necessarily <laughs> controversial topics. <laughs> what we're trying to do is show you that unity is possible. You yeah. can have people in the church that believe different things. Trust me. Look at you look at any church body. You take Corinth, for example. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we we always point to Corinth and say, What a terrible church. 
And then I look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, <laughs> yep. okay, <laughs> we're not much different than the Corinthian church. And we struggle with things within our congregations. There are, I can guarantee you, you will sit down to next someone in your church that believes something different than yeah, you. Go absolutely. figure about, about scripture. Someone who differs on, on like the things we've talked about today. But the important thing about it is we can have these conversations with people and not let it turn into a massive argument, but yes. it is hard. And you know why it's hard? Because we love those people. That's why it's hard, or we should love those people. And I think that's why it's hard for a lot of people because someone sees their brother and thinks, oh, I just don't think that they're right in this. Yeah. And it hurts them. And we need to have compassion with people with that. I have always been a champion of the idea of John 3.30, and I mention it all the time, but he must increase, I must decrease. That's my that's my theme verse I live by, right? Yeah. When it comes and when and it's actually helped me in my relationship with other people because look, I might disagree with someone on some topic that we talked about, but I can still love them mm -hmm. and I can definitely still find ways to worship with them. Yeah. I have a I have a friend who is a member of the Christian church who well well he'll just call me sometimes and be like, Hey man, I need prayers here and, and we'll pray together and yes, we're from two different quote unquote um splits off of the restoration movement, but we still find ways to talk to each other, yeah. uh pray together, you know, and yeah. it's important. <laughs> well, I mean, John, I mean, yeah, it's your favorite. It's like your your life verse right now and I love it. But John three thirty just <laughs> it says he you know, I must decrease. That means be the be yes. the the weaker brother. Or I mean be the stronger brother and take in the weaker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dang it. I got this all backwards. Be the stronger brother. <laughs> Take the weaker brother under your wing, even if you disagree yeah. with them. And I just, I don't want to beat anybody up over this, but guys, I mean, we see it throughout all scripture. It's, we're not called to fight. We are called to stand on what is true when it comes to salvation, the minors, but we're not called mm -hmm. to fight about all of these other things. And you hear it said all the time. <laughs> This is one of the ultimate, I'm going to start a fights with you. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> People say that's kind of it. I'm not calling out anybody for that, but that's a saying, right? <laughs> and and that's the idea of saying, well, if you, if you do this one, if I let this one thing slide that I don't completely agree with, next thing you know, they're just going to be completely heathenistic and having a church that worships <laughs> Satan. Basically, oh my you get from zero to 100 <laughs> real quick. But, you know, I, I really challenge that idea. First off, that doesn't happen. That's not how that works. Second off, it's more, nope. if, if anything ever happens, it's more a ski slope. You decide yeah. to make the turn. You see what's going to come down the rest of the mountain. And you, you, you head down the mountain knowing what's ahead. You do have the opportunity to stop, but momentum is going. And so it's just like, we don't need to just call people out and say, I give up on you. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, and it's just terribly, terribly hard. Um, but unity needs well, and, to be the point. And I, and I appreciate that unity needs to be the point. Um, you know, I I look at there's things me, my mom, and my dad. Right? <laughs> sure, yeah, I, we disagree on um, in, when it comes to our own faith. And the but when it comes down to it, my dad is still one of the most influential people in my Christian walk ever. Sure, and I say that not to butter him up and to put him on a pedestal, 
but because I respect him as a man, I respect him as a minister, and I respect him as someone who raised me to love God and to love others and to remember whose I am. Every time I would leave the house, (laughs) every time. And, you know, when I leave the house to go to high school, when I leave the house to go to college, when they (laughs) dropped me off here at work, he always told me, remember whose you are. You are God's. You are not, you're not my kid. You are my kid, obviously, but you're not more importantly. Yeah. You're God's kid and how we interact with other people from other areas and everyone's not at the same walk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone, someone who disagrees with you on a certain topic, maybe it's just because they haven't studied it out. Absolutely. Or maybe it's because they disagree with you either way. Love God, love others. (laughs) Yeah. That's the order. Um, we we are going pretty long on this one, and that's totally fine. So I hope you guys are cool with that. Uh, Christian, did you have some more scripture you wanted to share? Yeah, I got I got just just one more uh, chapter eight. So it's a little long. Chapter eight of First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter eight, perfect. Thirteen verses, and why I want to bring this up is because Paul in this chapter talks about taking care with our li- our liberties in life, um, and. It's more than just a chapter about eating meat sacrificed to idols. So I'm going to go ahead and read this here. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant. Hmm. (laughs) But love edifies. Love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in this world and that there is no God, but one Mm -hmm. for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many Lords yet for us, there is but one God, Mm -hmm. God, the father Mm -hmm. from whom all things and we exist for him and one Lord Jesus by whom all things we exist through him. Mm -hmm. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol eating until now eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat nor the better if we do eat, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Mm-hmm. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in the idol's temple, will not his conscience, if it is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, and the brother for whose sake of Christ died. And so by sinning against brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Tie that right in with Romans 14 and you got, right. They they work together so well. I wrote an entire paper on this in college because when I think when we read this verse, we had to write first a premise. We had to write um, a page on one of Paul's teachings. Hmm. We're not a more than a page. It was like a 15 page paper, but we're regardless. That's a couple Um, more than a page. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We had to write this paper is what it meant to say on one of Paul's writings. And so I wrote it on the idea of 
Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And what, why I wrote it on that is because I think so many times we look at this chapter as, well, it doesn't apply because it's talking about eat meat sacrificed from idols. I don't know how many times I will go to the grocery store and see that, you know? Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Like, fill this in with what we have to do. Fill, yeah. <laughs> you fill this in with just the things we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's very convicting because if I, for example, and I'm going to use – Musical instruments again. Sure. Not to offend anyone. I'm it's just an easy one. It's an easy one to pick. It's an easy example. If I use that and say, you are sinning if you don't use a guitar. Yeah, that's a problem. That is a big right. problem. Because you'll cause somebody but on, else to stumble. Because, right. And we can have conversations about this, about that, about things and issues in the church without letting our liberties take control. Some of the most important things we can learn from First Corinthians, and, I'm, and I kind of come up with a list in my head. So if I'm talking too much, just let me know. Um, well, I just I want to go ahead. I go wanna, ahead. I want to yes. reread thir- verse thirteen. Yeah, like I was actually we going to touch on that. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, I just want to reread verse thirteen um, and, and just change it to you know what 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 might we be stumbling with, right? So let's read verse 12 and 13. Let me reread it. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when they are weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if a guitar makes my brother stumble, <laughs> right? If a guitar makes my brother stumble, I will never play guitar lest mm. my brother should stumble. Mm. See, that's uh, I'll let you keep talking here, but that's exactly what we're called to do. That's that's mm. what being the stronger brother and not letting others stumble because of our actions looks like. Yes, and I was going to bring that up, and thank you for bringing that up. But one thing, and I'm going to talk about this, is when I was at Bible camp um, growing up, there was a sermon that Terry Crooks did at teen camp where he had this guitar, and I'm not sure if it was an expensive one. That's not the point. The point is, he literally threw this thing in the fire and look, I play guitar, right? I have, I have three guitars sitting in the room with me right now. I love, I love guitar. Right. And I saw him do that now losing my mind, bro. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, are you kidding me? He and says, this, this if this, the guitar he'd been playing all week. Yes. Family heirloom. Yep. Takes the guitar, throws it in the fire. And this is what he said. He says, if this thing gets in the way of me serving God, I got to let it go. Nothing has had that much of an impact on me than that sermon. And here's why. Not because of what Terry said. Love Terry to death. And not because it was a guitar. (laughs) Not because it was a guitar. Because of the premise behind it. If something like that causes our brother to stumble, Hmm. if something like that causes me to lose faith, if using instruments in the church causes that, my brother to stumble, I'm not going to do it. And in my case... It'll cause people to stumble. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Right. And in other cases, it might be flip-flop. The point being, we need to take care with our liberty because, guys, when the world looks at the church and they see us fighting over stupid things like this, mm. when they see us dividing and hating on our brother, they're yeah. not going to want to join a yeah. church like that. That doesn't. Show Who's going to want to join that? That doesn't show the love Ooh. of Christ, yeah. Who wants to sign up for that? My goodness. They get enough of that in the world, right? They get enough in the world of hate, 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 yeah. not to come into a situation that spreads hate, hate, hate. The <laughs> message of the church, the mess, and I love this. I, I don't know who said this exactly, but the church is not a hosp- 
sorry, I said that wrong. The church is not a museum for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. Meaning our churches at times, they're going to look ugly to people. Yeah. It's just how the world works. But the, the truth for it is that it's a hospital for sinners. Churches aren't there to say, wow, look how doctrinally great I am. They're there to say, I need a savior. Yeah. I am broken and we are here to worship a God that's greater than me, greater than my opinions yep. and is perfect. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a few different people who might be credited for that quote. Um, Ann Landers or Pauline Phillips, but yeah, I love that quote okay. too. That's, that's great. great. So I think Christian's really getting us to a good wrap up with this. Um, I tried. No. <laughs> something I do, I just want to share, and this is just because I've been through this and I've been there, <laughs> is just because you know you have to take the high road, you know that you need to be the one who throws the proverbial guitar in the fire because it might cause another <laughs> brother to stumble, right? And whatever it might be doesn't make it easy. No, it doesn't make it easy. I want to share been debating this whole episode. If I was going to share this story, but I will personally, this has happened to me and it is hard. I remember, um, it's been a while now. I, I don't necessarily have to give it a timeline, but I was in a church group that a college college church group that I loved. I was very involved with, and I was the worship minister. That was my role. I, I, had a team of, of leaders that led songs and, you know, that was, that was my role. That was a hundred percent me. I needed to take care of everything regarding that. And, um, one thing that I added to, um, our kind of our organization was I added a worship team. And if you guys don't know what a worship team is, it's pretty simple. Typically it's four mics and a song leader. So you have your four parts and your lead, right? You mm -hmm. got five people on a microphone, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, lead. Perfect. Or in my case, two altos, and you have to sing soprano. Anyway. You have no. to sing. Whoa. <laughs> so anyway, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> here's, here's what I did. You know, I added those. Um, I did it in, in what I would call um, an easy way. I didn't make the worship team stand up on stage. They sat in the front row, out of sight, yep. out of mind, just to lead us, not to put anybody on a pedestal or to lift up singers over the song, but just to sing as good as we could to God. And it really did cause some people to stumble. And I had no idea. I had no idea that would cause somebody to stumble, right? So much so that they brought it to the leaders of the church and said, whoever came up with this is going to hell. This is, these people are going to hell for this. And that is a strong conviction. And that is a hard thing to hear across the room about yourself before they even know it's your reason, your fault. <laughs> right. And here's the thing. I sat in that meeting I, I came out and said, well, you know what? It was my idea. And we talked about it for some more time. And then the leader said, so, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, we've got two different sides on this. And I decided this was the opportunity for me to take the pill and swallow it to say, you know what? We can just go back to one, one microphone. <laughs> we can go back to one song leader guy and, and it'll be good for you. Yeah. And that's hard. You know why it was hard, hard in this situation for me? I love to sing. Uh, we, mm. we improved our singing ability a lot with those four microphones. <laughs> yeah. 
And I mm. had to say, you know what? It's not about how good the singing is because it's not. It's not about what I want to do because it's not. Mm. It shouldn't be about what that person wants either. But here's why I did it because I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the bigger brother and walk alongside this person. I absolutely disagree with them, but I swallowed my pride and I said, all right, we can do that. And it, it mm. broke my heart. It was hard. It, I lost sleep over it. It made me sad. So it's not easy to do this folks. It's not easy to maintain unity. And that's my whole point of saying this maintaining unity yeah. means taking a lot of shots for your brothers bowing down, scraping up your feet and your knees to help serve this person when, you know, kind of the good analogy is when your brother is crawling around on their hands and knees in the gravel and you know that it's better to stand up and walk, but they say, no, we got to crawl around. You get down and you crawl around with them because you're the bigger (laughs) brother and it's hard. It's hard, but that's what unity is all about is sacrificing yourself to just serve with your brothers and sisters. So I like that idea of sacrifice, um, Harold, and I think that's an important thing for us to understand. And part of the part of the whole reasoning of doing this episode, I think, is to not necessarily list all the ways we are divided. That's no, not the point. Absolutely not. We didn't even touch the surface of them anyway. <laughs> right. We didn't. We we tried it very lightly, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. The point of this podcast was to show, and the point of the podcast in general, if we talk about living bold, is having those tough conversations. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, still understanding that we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. Yes. Because at the end of the day, that's who we are. That's who we are as Christians. That's that's why we have, that's why we are so concerned about what our brother thinks, because we want them with us. Yeah. Because Christianity is not fun on your own it's not that's not the point of it that's not the point of it it's not the point of it um and anyway i i appreciate bringing you bringing up this topic harold and i and i hope that you guys that are listening really really just dig into the scriptures for yourself um and really look at first corinthians chapter 8 romans chapter 14 look at what it says about unity and realize that sometimes we got to swallow our pride sometimes we have to let go of those things that are getting in our way of serving jesus and serve jesus that's as simply as I can put it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to put it simply because it's not simple, but it is, it's not. And I didn't mean that by <laughs> no, what, no. by putting it simply. No, I know. But, but I, I just, that's, I just want to extend that to you guys. I hope you didn't feel like we just rambled on and on in this episode, but it's such a, it's such a big, bold topic to talk about in one episode, but live bold. <laughs> yeah. Live bold. That's the whole point. And, and, you know, part of the point is, you know, serve God, love people. And that is, that is what unity is all about. It's about serving God first, you know, being convicted and, but then loving on the people, sacrificing, getting down, getting and getting, doing whatever you can to be in peace with your brothers and sisters. And it's so, so critical, so hard to do. Well, Christian, you got any final thoughts? (laughs) Well, I got one more. Okay. And it's not, it's not super extensive. It's just my little saying of, you know, which I kind of adopted from you, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's love God, share Jesus, and live your mission. And the point behind that is by living our mission, which is embedded in Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20, Absolutely. you know, we need to go out into the world, teach others about Jesus, teach them that there's someone out there that loves them, that wants to have a relationship with them. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, saying, hey, guess what? We Absolutely. can be buried with Christ. We can rise as a new creation. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter my opinions. We can still show up and love others. So that's yeah. my and drop that, mic, I guess. That, <laughs> goes right in with, that goes right in with the show slogan, right? Serve God, love people, tell your story. That's yeah. what living boldly looks like. So That's right. That's perfect. That's a great way to wrap it up. So I'm glad for you guys coming along on this long uh, edition. <laughs> of the podcast of the live bold podcast i want to give a shout out to our sponsor as we usually do right here at the end but i want to give a shout out to ragamuffin co find them online at ragamuffinco.com use the promo code live bold 20 for 20 percent off and they just have cool cool gear cool stuff but awesome stuff until next time this is it until next time i'm harold i'm christian and we will see you right here again on the live bold podcast The Live Bold Podcast is a production of 323 Media.